Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, in studio by Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. And boys, uh, I don't know how you're feeling this morning, but uh, it is a, what is it today, Thursday? Um, it actually feels like a Monday morning. Uh, it's very early. We are uh, we are radio pros with busy schedules, so uh, so we all got into the studio early this morning. And I think there's a, a distinct lack of energy level in the room, so... Rather than our usual banter and rather than uh, a bunch of sponsor promos, we're just going to tell you to drink Ligaris Roasters coffee. You know where to find it if you've been uh, a fan of this program for a while. And if you haven't been a fan, if you're brand new, welcome aboard. Um, But we're not going to make it easy for you. I'm just going to say the name Ligaris Roasters, and I'm going to let you do a little little legwork because I feel like if you've earned it a little bit, the coffee will taste better. Um, so drink Ligaris Roasters coffee, and uh, we're going to hop right into these topics. But uh, first, I, I haven't even heard your voices, boys. How are you feeling? It it feels like a Monday, even though it's a Thursday. I think that might be because yesterday was a holiday, and so yeah. <clears throat> there was much eating and drinking and, and general sort of carousing and merriment, and that means today feels like an, <laughs> an, an extra drag. Yeah, it sure does, man. It sure does. Yeah, exactly. Dirty trick to put the 4th of July on uh, on a Wednesday this year. But boys, we have uh, we have radio to do, and and in that, I don't know how this program is going to go because we have some uh, we have some kind of lighthearted, frivolous topics, but we have one that's actually super grim, and uh, I think we should we should start with that. So, Pipe, you sent us um, a screenshot of a tweet from someone named Jennifer Wright. Do you know Do you know this person, or is this just like a what is she a journalist? Or I, uh, I don't. Somebody, I, I don't right? know. Yeah, she's she's somebody who is. I, I would say left leaning, but I feel like that is an unfavorable description of other left leaning people. So she's. I don't know what she is, but she's she's off her rocker based on this tweet. Yeah, so I'm not a political person. I don't follow this stuff um, right now. If it doesn't have to do with. Mariners baseball or the CFL or my cats. I'm not, I'm not interested, but, uh, you sent this along. It is, uh, it is grim, but I just want to read the tweet. All right. And then we can respond to it. So this is Jennifer Wright, who is someone who leans left. Um, she's got a blue check though. So, you know, she's, mm. so she's clearly she's somebody. I mean, she's clearly somebody. She, man, when her head hits the pillow at night, she knows that she's done something, you know, with the blue check. But, you know, add Jared C. Wilson, if you're listening, that'll that'll be you one day. Um, by the way, where is that? Where does that stand? Has Jared C. gotten his blue check yet? Or? I don't believe so. so. Yeah. I feel like I feel like we would know about this because 100 listeners would let us know and he probably would tweet about it at least 42 times. Dude, I love having listeners out there who do some of the legwork for us. Oh, we you know have, what I mean? Yeah, we have. I mean, it's like, yeah, we, we have basically like scouts out yeah. in the industry feeding us stuff like this tweet may have come from a listener i definitely saw it shared or retweeted toward me by somebody and it may have been a listener so pipe we're like a baseball team we have a scouting department we have scouts <laughs> everywhere we have scouts all over the world we should get t-shirts made for them we, we should get well, we, we should get department. if it's a scouting a department scout. we, we should get ill-fitting polo shirts made for them ill-fitting polos like windbreakers and they should all get like a radar gun yes. a little radar gun <laughs> Oh, happy rant radar grunt. That'd be amazing. Dude, you can see how not eager I am to talk about this Jennifer Wright <laughs> nonsense. Um, I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking at her Twitter profile and uh, just to figure out who she is. She's an yeah. author of history books, 
Um, ah, they're ooh. called It Ended Badly and Get Well Soon and Killer Fashion. She's the political mm. editor at large for Harper Bazaar U.S. Okay, so that's a real publication. Yeah. She also labels herself as Queen of the Gremlins. I don't know what that ooh. means, but... That's that playful mean, and lighthearted is what it is. Right. Sounds yeah. delightful. Tongue, Whatever it is, yeah. sounds really delightful. That counterbalances all the like political angst. That's, that's right. So she's going to say something grim and disgusting politically, but don't worry, she's queen of the gremlins, and so tongue-in-cheek yeah. makes it okay. So here's the grim and disgusting thing. I'm going to lay this on you. Uh, again, these are the words of Jennifer Wright. We are very likely to lose Roe versus Wade. Some men may think that doesn't concern them. Make it. If you're single and dating... Add a woman emoji to your dating profiles to show people that you won't date or sleep with anyone who doesn't support a woman's right to choose. And it's actually more than a woman emoji. It's like a, a woman judge emoji. So like a like a woman in a black robe with a gavel. Um, I didn't did I, know did that. I, I did. The first observation of this tweet, I didn't know that was an emoji until Jennifer yeah. made it she clear. She actually... Um, she actually went on to um, explain how to get the woman judge emoji, um, which was a part of the the thread here, which I boy, where to start with this? I, I'm going to start like sexually with with this in the sense that if you are sort of vetting people sexually based on their use of a woman judge emoji, that that whole thing strikes me as like the least erotic thing imaginable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in, in the pantheon of non-erotic things, this, this, is, this is pretty high, right? right. Like I, I swiped right, and I wasn't sold, but then I saw the emoji in the profile, and wow. Yeah. Wow. wow. There's, there's, one, there's, there's a person I need to irresponsibly sleep with. There's, there's a, a keeper. keeper. That's right. So if, you're, if your seduction scenario includes a, a woman judge emoji, I don't know. You guys, listen, I'm a middle-aged Christian white man. So literally everything I say is wrong and everything in the world is my fault. So I'm also faithfully, happily married uh, with kids. Yeah. So you, this whole conversation has nothing Dude, to do. Mess. I have nothing yeah. to say yeah. about anything. Completely useless in, in anything. Completely, I'm utterly useless. Yeah. I'm, I'm like one of those old lawnmowers with like the rotating blades. You know what I mean? That's how that's how out of. Out of touch. Yeah, I am. People look at you and you're like, "Oh, that's quite." I remember. I remember when people were like, "I that should be in a museum." That. I remember when people like this existed. You know, I remember their quaint little ideas. Maybe you should be in like the new like Ken Ham exhibit at the Creation Museum. Like, you should, <laughs> should, dude. He should create some new thing for like. I'm gonna no, call Ken Ham. I'm gonna get him on the phone man, and see. I'm gonna see how much that gig pays. I might do it. Like, yeah, classic Christian men from the seventies and eighties, dude. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> uh, you 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 do have to uh, do something about that hair, though. You wouldn't. Ken Ham won't allow hair past oh, the dude, past baby. the ears. Haircut is in order, a dude. Haircut. No, I'm gonna cut my hair. I'm gonna grow like an eighties mustache and uh, and pop on like a sport jacket and some khakis, and then and then Ken Ham is gonna be knocking my door down. Are you kidding me? Well, now you almost sound hipster, man. You hold, just check with me before you do any of that, baby. I will. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll vet my wardrobe choices with you in the same way that I. I vet my irresponsible sexual partners via their emojis on social media. <laughs> Judas H. Priest, Piper, speak some wisdom into this nonsense, please. I just I, everything about this. I mean, like, I'm going to try really hard not to go down the the slippery slope of 
of a serious rant about the, how badly this reflects on our society because that's what it does. Do that, that's what it. That's what it begs you to do. Okay, but... fine. We'll just do that. Okay. So do let's yeah. speak your heart, pipe. Just All right. So it. let's just take this line by line. We're likely to lose Roe versus Wade. Pause. Um, huh. Roe versus Wade has been responsible for the deaths of millions of unborn children. Losing that will have societal societal implications. But like the the fact that somebody that people hold on to this as if this is like a a life saving measure is just I can't describe this without swearing, so I'm just gonna move on. Um some men think that this doesn't concern them, make it. Like now we've looped in angry feminism. If you're single and dating, add a gray-haired judge female emoji to your dating profiles to show people you won't date or sleep with anyone who doesn't support a woman's right to choose. So now we've got, <laughs> we, we can't lose the right to kill millions of infants, so let's vet our really poor sexual choices and one-night stands using mm-hmm. somebody's preference to kill unborn babies. Mm. It, does anything about that make sense? Dude, no, there's Literally nothing. nothing. And it makes no sense. It makes no moral sense. It makes no biblical sense. Like, it's just insanity. And to make this worse, this thing has 2,000 retweets and 9,700 likes. And it also has 2,000 responses. And I'm sure somebody told her she was an idiot in there. But that's Dude, just. Dude, but like, yeah. I mean, back to the museum example. I mean, if you were looking for like a short two paragraph you know, example of why our culture is such a mess. Like this pretty much covers all the bases. You know what I mean? I mean, in, in two paragraphs, she did an amazing job of illustrating how grim everything is. Don't you think? Yeah, it's, I mean, she, yeah, in, 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 in less than a hundred, what is it? 280 characters. She yeah. has, she has summed up the values that that are completely I mean and these are like in the church values too because this is like the the casual the casual nature of sex and commitment and right to life and mm-hmm. it's just insane and the thing is like I'm not an I'm not a heavy-handed legalist about I try not to be about anything mm-hmm. but when you say something that's just so profoundly antithetical to anything God says it's just like my jaw just hit the floor. I'm like, I don't right. know what to do with this. Yeah, it's this is so this, stupid. It's, I mean, this like, really bumps up against, like, in, even we have this impulse to be, like, cool, educated, enlightened people who yes. are open to a discussion. I mean, we want to be that person on paper. But, yeah, when you're faced with something like this, you can't be that person. You know, I, I even wonder what RTHE would say about this. You know, I, I'm sure in a perfect world, RTHE would like to, you know, go to New York and have, you know, a $83 cocktail with the whatever political editor of Harper's Bazaar. But but I wonder even what she would say about this. You well, know what I, I mean? I saw a tweet from her about the Roe versus Wade thing, not in response to this, but a separate one where she mm-hmm. she states very clearly that she was um, she's convictionally pro-life. But then, you know, sort of obviously counterbalance that with to just do away with Roe versus Wade would cause some significant issues with um, 
essentially, basically, are we prepared to care for all of the children who will be born who are currently unwanted, et cetera, et cetera? And yeah. so, which, which is a valid question. I'm not sure that was the best way to pose it. But she states yeah. that she's convictionally pro-life. This mm. person, Jennifer Wright, is convictionally – well, I don't, I don't think she has any convictions except don't tell me what to do. I can sleep mm-hmm. with who I want to. I will only sleep with people with a judge emoji, and I can do what mm-hmm. I want with whatever is in my womb. And that's yeah. like – that's America. That, yeah. that sums up America. I'm curious to know from Ronnie's perspective – how does this, from a, like, as a pastor, you know, you're trying to speak biblical convictions to people. What do you see of this sort of rolling into your church? Like, how is the, the culture sort of beginning to seep into how people receive, I don't know, let's say, biblical statements about marriage or sex or life or any of those things? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question, Pipe. I think, I think for us, um, you know, the Roe v. Wade thing is pretty, it's, uh, you know, I mean, the abortion issue is pretty clear cut as far as I know. Obviously, I haven't had a, you know, a personal conversation with everybody in the Kong about this. But um, that one's pretty clear cut in terms of their, you know, in, you know, in, in evangelicalism, at least conservative evangelicalism, there is just a decidedly like, you know, we know abortion's wrong. Um, that is not something that we're getting into a lot of debates over, like in, in terms of like intervarsity debates within the church. I, you know, I think it starts again when you start talking about um, same sex attraction, any you know, of those types of things. That it's those are those are things that are those are things that are like popping up in like terms of like, you know, are we still living in the Stone Age with this? Do we need to rethink? You know, do we need to create new categories? Um, I think that what's so crazy about the about Jennifer Wright, man. Uh, is just, I mean, you, you look at something like that and all I can think is like, what, like what happens in the minds of people that they can like, that they can get to this place. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you look at that and it's just every word of it. You just go, you like, you're just like, you're dumbfounded. Like you're just completely dumbfounded by something like this. But then you, you read this and you realize, oh, there's like an ever growing, you know, large percentage of the culture that like looks at that and goes, yeah. Yeah, man, that, right? And so I think to me, there's just like I hit a brick wall where you just go like, this doesn't make any sense on all these different levels. But then at the same time, I mean, I've come, you know, I've, I've come through life with this particular growing, you know, belief and conviction about life. And so for me, it just, I, I hit a wall with it. And it's almost like, I don't even know how to, I wouldn't even know how to argue with somebody that, that held this view in the sense that I don't think it would even be like a civil disagreement. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, what do you, what do you even like do with something that is so far over there? And I know they can look at us and go, yeah, but aren't you so far over there? So my question to you guys is what, what's on our side then, you know, in terms of how we would even like sit down with a Jennifer Wright and have a, have a discussion with somebody like this, who's like doing, you know, woman judge emojis now to like state her state her case yeah i I think if i i think with somebody in this in her position and the millions of people who share her her beliefs it's not a you can't have a civil you can't have a civil discussion about the issues you have to start somewhere else because the issues Mm -hmm. you and i are starting from there is a truth that is bigger than us that tells us what is right and what is wrong Right. Like that's that's like our basic assumption. The basic assumption that I see reflected in hers is 
I am the greatest truth, and I determine what is right and wrong, which means that there's no consistency whatsoever to what is good for civilization. For example, the killing of whatever we're at now, somewhere in the dozens of millions of, of unborn babies, probably not good for civilization, but it's good for the people who determine the truth. So, must be okay. And so you're starting from, we're starting from these two just vastly different places, which means the conversation has to be something else. It has to be something yeah. about, yeah. you know, how do we introduce people in that position to the truth in a way that meets a need or is compelling? Because I know it's not going to work to go, well, you are wrong and God says you're wrong, which has been sort of the evangelical response to people forever with minimal effect. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I take umbrage to this from the perspective of a, a female judge. I mean, because I feel like Jennifer Wright's assuming that if I'm a female judge, I'm old, I'm old and gross. I mean, I, you know, um, I take umbrage with the with the emoji choice, maybe, but in all seriousness, like, and not and not to get all like, old reformed man here. But I mean, doesn't it make you grateful for the restrictions that that scripture does put on us sexually. I mean, the fact that I'm not like, you know, young and in this environment where I'm casting about for sex and having to sort of, you know, vet all of my potential partners, political and social agendas. And I mean, nothing in the world sounds more stressful than than that. I mean, it it, it does make you grateful for monogamy and marriage and you know, some of these things that God has put in place for us. So, um, but I, yeah, I, I wonder how someone, I mean, just hearing the phrase grateful for monogamy and marriage, which I think mm -hmm. rings completely true for those of us, probably most of our listeners, definitely those of us on the podcast. But I wonder how somebody like Jennifer Wright would hear that. Like, it, yeah, she would probably think that you are a caveman ready to drag a woman by her, you know, her oh, top sure. knot yeah. around behind her, you know, like just, behind you, like just, just sort of a, like the ultimate troll caveman, like you yeah. are what's wrong with the world. Oh, absolutely. Which is why I use a, a caveman emoji in all of my online interactions, just so people know where I'm coming from. But uh, no, you're right, Pipe. I mean, that's, it's, that seems what, wise, but best to be authentic. Best to be authentic. Yeah, I just want to be upfront about what a what a caveman I am. Um, anything else on this, boys? I feel like. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I like what you just said, man. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's interesting because what she you know, what she would say to us is you're drawing very narrow parameters mm -hmm. and they're exclusionary and, and all of those types of things. Sure. And um, we would say, yeah, but you're just drawing your own parameters and they yeah. they feel they feel incredibly um, narrow. Like when we look at that, we think, oh, that's there's something there's something that's so narrow about those parameters because they're as the result of a conscience that we would say, again, I know this is this is going biblical on Jen Wright, but, uh, you know, the parameters she's drawing from a conscience that's just been seared, you know. Right. Right. And um, so it's so I look at a position like this and I go, oh, it's so incredibly narrow. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so th it's so thin. It's so narrow. And I like how you just said, like, man, what like what a way to live her life, like what an exhausting, what a stressful way for her to live, you know, yeah. on the basis of finding her truth from uh, women judge emojis. Right. Mm -hmm. 
And again, go, going back to what Piper said, like, where do you draw your truth? You know, what, what is the foundation for what it is that you believe? And I look at that and I go, dude, that's so thin. That is so narrow. And, um, and, it, and it sounds and it feels sad and it feels exhausting and it feels um, it feels like something that would be hard to maintain without a constant inner fight and struggle with angst and anger all mixed in. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you see that manifest in the way people interact, like people lead with angst and anger. And, you know, again, if it, yeah, I, I, I just don't, I don't know how all this works sexually. I mean, I, I think the human being is so, I mean, we're so geared toward wanting sex. You probably deal with the inevitable political discourse that you have, that you have to have before you get laid nowadays. Um, I don't know, but I can't imagine anyone liking that. Um, it's just crazy, man. It's well, so it's, crazy. And it's, and it, it, it ex exhibits the profound selfishness of the sexual mentality of, I mean, of, of almost anybody. I mean, we, we can turn anything selfish. We can turn, sure. you know, we can turn generosity selfish. We're, we're gifted that way. But, yeah. but sex especially is now about <clears throat> my wants, my needs and my timing with whoever I want with very little thought to the impact on the impact on the other person or the relationship with the other person or whatever. Like there's no context for it. And <clears throat> it's, you know, for so long, the ideas of like sex with one person inside marriage has been, you know, the Judeo Christian sort of ethic of things with very little mm -hmm. explanation of why and like why that is better. Mm -hmm. But then you see stuff like this and you go, this is why it's better. Yeah. Because, because this is just, insanity this is the insanity yeah. that happens when we take the thing that god said it should be a certain way and it was good mm -hmm. and we turn it into something completely different yeah i mean we are not meant to just make things up it was never intended <laughs> that we just make things up that's, yeah <laughs> i feel like that's a bit of a mic drop right there just yeah. we don't we don't get to make things up i love that no, that's good, man. That's very good. Boys, we got time for uh, for one or two other quick topics here. But uh, let's talk about professional athletes or other celebrities as guest preachers. So um, there were there were some links sent around this morning as we were uh, having our our pre-production meeting. So this was uh, a this was a listener request. Um, yeah. So the, the listener, so listener said he had very mixed feelings about it, did not want to be named because he knows some people in churches that have done this. And uh, yeah. so, but I thought it was, so I I'm going to play the devil's advocate on this one. Um, I, I, I think the, here's the expected cranky reformed guy response is that it's horrible and it should never happen. And, you know, it pulls us out of our, you know, three and a half year series on Leviticus and, you know, it just shouldn't be a thing, but I will, I will suggest that maybe it's not always a terrible thing. Um, and maybe I just have fond memories of, you know, the church that I grew up in doing this from time to time. And um, the, it, just because someone is an athlete doesn't mean the talk is vapid and shallow and bad. Um, and I guess that's, that's all I'm going to say about it. But big R you're, you're our resident man of the cloth. Um, what are your, what are your thoughts on this? Well, um, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you fellows would have to imagine that, like, the last person I would probably, like, ever, like, bring in to, okay. to my pulpit would be, a, would be a pro athlete. You know, not because I'm anti, 
pro athletes, certainly. But that I, would imply I would, that you would have to know a pro athlete. I would have though. to have those connections, right? <laughs> I'd have to be connected on that level. So, like, exactly. that's just that's phenomenal to me. But I will say this, man. So here's kind of a weird story. So yeah. I remember I was speaking at a uh, like a men's conference thingy. This was a couple uh-huh. of years ago. And the guy, the guy that was that was putting it together, like he asked, he asked me, he said, hey, he goes, so there, there's this guy that used to be I used to record that used to be on the same label as me. And he was in a band that was a lot, lot more prominent and larger than I was. And he's gone on to like write books and become a speaker. And he goes, dude, should I get that guy? I mean, do you have any connections? Do you know him? I said, well, yeah, I know him. I go, he goes, I, I was thinking about getting him. What, what do you think? Should I? And I thought, even though I'm in the same category, I was like, no, do, no, don't, don't do that. Don't get him. And he's like, why? And I'm like, uh, I just wouldn't get him. I don't, I don't know. Do you mean you want to get into all this stuff right now? You asked me, you know, I just, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't bring him out. So like my thought about anybody that has anything sort of with a semblance of celebrity is it just, it bothers me because it looks like you're saying that somehow they're like, there's more magic in their words. And uh-huh. so I just, I kind of just push against that just naturally because it just bugs me because it Dude, just feels, you know what I mean? Do you guys get what I'm saying with that? Not to be like the pushback guy, but aren't we doing the exact same thing when we pay you know, top dollar to go to some gospel coalition show to see a guy on the main stage because we feel like his words are somehow more magical than yeah, 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 yeah. Than so, no, our local pastor. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. Except for except for for some reason, man, Christian society makes such a big deal out of like um, Hollywood actors. Oh, you're right, man. You're, no, you're totally right. For some you're reason, totally like right. those two categories are like, oh man, if they, you know, the old, you know, the old mm-hmm. adage of like, if they were just saved. They would have such a massive impact, you know? And so, man, we just freak out about like sports stars and movie stars. And we just love bringing, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, like Kevin DeYoung is, you know, he's not any of those things. Yeah. Not close. Right. Right. He he carries his own celebrity, like in our thing, but Mm -hmm. outside of our thing, I mean, dude, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. Yeah. I think, I think most churches that do this with any regularity do it as an attraction, you know? So like if, if Ronnie met, if Ronnie brought in, I don't know, one of the A-list gospel coalition preachers. So Matt Chandler's going to, going to speak at substance church. It's going to increase attendance, but not nearly as much as if he got a, you know, one of the Cleveland Browns wide receivers, you know, because, because the community knows Cleveland Browns and, and you know, the community does not care about Matt Chandler. Now there might, what would happen with Matt Chandler is that people would not attend their other churches. They would come to his church for the day. Cause they're like, and that's even, that's even maybe pipe. I mean, yeah, that's, (laughs) yeah, that's, that's an if, but it's a possibility. Whereas like, you could actually invite a neighbor to be like, "Hey, Josh Gordon's going to come talk about how he doesn't do drugs anymore or whatever at a you know at when you bring in an athlete and that's yeah so there there is a <clears throat> i think if you're doing an event that is designed to that's sort of an attractional event an evangelistic campaign a you know a men's conference or whatever like there is merit to that um obviously you should vet them based on content and not just name. It's the Sunday morning preacher thing that kind of throws me for a loop a little bit because it's funny. Growing up as a pastor's kid, I loved guest preachers because it means I didn't have to listen to my dad preach again. Yeah. But as somebody who attends a church now, I'm usually disappointed when one of my pastors is not preaching because they're the guys I want to learn from. 
So it's, you know, I've, I've sort of flip-flopped on that. And I would not be excited to find out that they were bringing in, you know, a Tennessee Titans place kicker to, to speak on a Sunday morning. Like, that just wouldn't interest me. Yeah, yeah. What place kicker would interest you, Pipe? Any? I, I would like to hear Gary Anderson offer a public apology for oh, missing a kick against yes. the Atlanta Falcons in 1998. I love I mean, how you're not even talking about like a sermon he would preach. No, I do <laughs> know. I would like. Well, it would, could be a sermon on repentance or on failure <laughs> or on disappointing yeah. others or not meeting expectations or how to deal with people like me who have resented him for 20 years since then. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that sermon could be about, but it would be Gary Anderson. That's the one I want to hear from. I knew you were going to say that, which is why I asked the question. <laughs> and it was no hesitation either. <laughs> no, there was absolutely no hesitation. You were so ready for that. Uh, I don't hold many grudges, but I do hold a few. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, Gary Anderson, if you're out there, you've you've officially been invited. Maybe we could get him on the program to do the the public. No, this would need to be a face to face. This would have to be like you know when they when uh, when ESPN did the Magic Johnson Isaiah Thomas like reconciliation and there were tears and. Dude, yeah. About, like, oh, that's good. I, I kind of need that that thing going on with Gary. You Anderson. need that level of yeah. of public apology. I don't blame you. Some mutual yeah. apologizing. I'm sure I have resentment in my heart that I need to that I need to sure. offload and let go of. But I I also feel like maybe he has some some apologizing to me to do Dude, as well. Stuff he's been carrying around all these years. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's make this happen. I'm sure he's a listener. So. Um, Gary, if you're out there, I assume uh, all professional place kickers are listeners to this spot. This yeah, I, I think we're huge in the kicking community, to be honest, the special teams community in general. But uh, but yeah, we, I know we have some uh, some former college long snappers that are listeners. So um, I got I got some swag from one of them at Live and Louie. So um, shout out to uh, to that guy if you're listening. But um, <laughs> that guy, I know. Yeah, I, I just I realized like two thirds of the way through that sentence that I didn't have a name. Made a heavily personal impact on you, there, Big Pete. <laughs> no, he did, man. This guy gave me like this guy. His, 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 uh, no, we're this guy, that guy. Yeah, That's we're we're progressing. Okay, but here's the thing: if if you're a, co- a former college long snapper, being known as that guy is yeah. is just about right. That's pretty, pretty good, good, actually. If yeah. you're a former college wide it? receiver, you're annoyed that nobody knows your name. But if you're the long yeah. snapper, you're like, yeah, I'm that guy. I wear like number, I wear number sixty three, and I'm on the field for you know if it's a busy game, you know, like seven times. The biggest yeah. thing that ever happened to me was being referred to as that guy on the ranch. <laughs> hey, you know what? We make dreams come true. We're star makers, boys. I mean, you you get a mention on this show, and um, I mean, look, yeah, this, everything uh, changes. Everything changes. Jennifer Wright. I don't know what's going to happen to her now. Yeah, Jennifer. I was just going to say, I, I, I was going to say that girl who tweeted the thing about the old judges. But uh, thank you for being ready with her name, there, Big R. I mean, that's we're bearing each other's burdens right now. Jen, so. I like to call her Jen. Uh, she's Jen to me now, to be quite honest. So. Dude, she's, you are a typical man. Jen. <laughs> You insensitive pig. You would Gen, call her Jen. Jen Dub is what I like to call her. Jen uh, Dub. Oh, my goodness. So disrespectful, Big R. Um, boys, do we have time to talk about summer blockbuster movies ever so briefly? Um, yes, I think, I think we must. We have to cleanse the palate a little bit. And specifically, whatever happened to summer blockbuster movies? We are, uh, we are in a, a post-summer blockbuster era, I think. And it's a, it's a sad thing because as I look at the movie landscape, there's not a whole lot that I want to go see, but, uh, big R you were, you were in the entertainment business at one time. Like what's, uh, what's, what's up with summer blockbusters, man? Where well, dude, they- um, I don't really get the, you know, uh, so this is a, this is a suggestion from pipe and, um, dude, it, 
what do you mean whatever happened? I mean, all we did, like every Memorial Day, we get these big, massive, like, cheese-brained movies that come out. I mean, has that is that different this year? I think, when, I mean, okay, yes, I, it is. Well, I think it's different, but maybe it's a perception thing. So maybe, maybe I need you guys to help me figure out if this is a perception issue or a reality issue. So we just passed July 4th. The movie Independence Day came out in what nineteen ninety six ish, you know something like that, and that was a, that was a classic summer blockbuster because it was a oh, yeah. it was a July Fourth Independence Day A list stars. I mean, it was a bit of a cultural phenomenon, you know. Just yeah, you know, there are no cultural phenomenon movies in quite the same way now. But that's just really in general. Are. Because that's in general though, because everybody's just rehashing. But I mean. Seriously, man, we just had Jurassic Park '96 come out like this weekend, right? I mean, so, so is that, is that what's happened? That they're still trying to make the same movies that they made in 1990? What that one came out in '93, I think. But I mean, that's the criticism of the entire industry right now is that nobody's doing anything like new. It's all just let's man, let's grab something that we know worked and let's rehash, right? So I mean, that you're just describing kind of a trend. I mean, I mean, in in essence, all we do we just have we just have blockbusters all year round now because of Marvel. Everything, you know, that's all blockbuster. That's like that's like seasonal blockbusters now, right? Yeah, I that think we, so. I mean, and then in Star Wars, Star Wars is now entering into the same thing where they're just doing yeah. two cuz when Star Wars was doing like every other year or every Christmas, that felt like maybe there was a momentous release or like when Lord of the Rings came out and they were I think it was every they released every two consecutive, years. It was it every two years on, and it was around Christmas time. It was like December twentieth or something. Or was it every year? I don't remember. It was one. I mean, either way, there was a wait between the movies. There was anticipation, yeah. and they were they were fresh made movies. I mean, it's an old story, but a fresh movie. Whereas yeah. like Solo didn't feel like like that could have been a blockbuster movie had they done like have they made us wait eighteen months for it? And they didn't. There was no. No, it, was, it, it came like right on the plot. heels of yeah. the the last Jedi or yeah. the whichever one it was. Next to last Jedi, dead Jedi's. Luke Skywalker still can't act. Whatever that movie was called, and uh, and dude, that crap is so boring. <laughs> it's so boring, all of it. Like somebody, please make a big movie. Like I want to, dude. Be- I just think, man, it's like this: if everything's a blockbuster, nothing's a blockbuster. And I'm telling no, you, I'm since you all since all the superhero movies have just dropped. Every one of them does like 300 million. It's like, what do we even have to gauge what a blockbuster is anymore when like we are just inundated with these massive movies that everybody's going to go see? I mean, so it kind of takes away from this idea of Memorial Day and July 4th blockbusters. That's just my opinion, boys. No, I'm with you, baby. What's the, what you. is the last movie that stands out in your guys' mind as like a like it, it, it was the anticipated summer release? Like I couldn't wait for whatever it was. Mm. Oh, dude, I don't even remember. I don't typically love those kinds of movies anyway, but I know what you're talking about, man. I don't... Or, yeah, or is I, that an age thing? Is it like you have to be under the age of, say, 18 to, to for that to be like a, a thing? Because, I mean, I feel like I all of the seminal ones for me are from when I was 12 to, yeah, 12 I think to you're 18. Something, man. Yeah, you yeah. Just, you're not going to have that level of care when you're over 30. You know, it just doesn't, it doesn't really matter because it's not really an event to you. You just are going to go to the movies anytime you want. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, I gauge but, movies more on what can I take my kids to now. It's exactly. like, ooh, The Incredibles 2 came out. Let's go to that one. I mean, and that's technically a summer block. I mean, that's a massive summer blockbuster. Right but there. even yeah. even Pixar doesn't, like, they, I think they're still making good movies. But, like, there was a time when a Pixar movie dropped. That was a big deal. And then, like, they they dropped Coco, which, and and then Incredibles. And it's like... 
they, Dude, don't, they the don't get the buzz. It's the volume of the, I'm really man. I will always argue volume when, when some, when there's too much of a good thing, it just tends to become like, like white noise. And so it just, it kind of takes the, uh, that exclusivity of when movies didn't come out at that rate, at least blockbusters. And so they don't, they just don't stick out as much because, you know, the Incredibles two is probably going to do like 500 quadrillion dollars at the box office. It's going to be a <laughs> box office smash by anybody's you know, by anybody's account, but like, you're just not, you're going to be like, yeah, okay, cool. I mean, what Pixar has another one coming out like in September, you is, know, is some of it because there, there's no more pioneering in movies. So like not just storytelling and acting, cause those are, those are subtle things, but like, yeah. so when Pixar first dropped, what was it? Toy Story was sort of their first big hit. And that was a, a pioneering, um, it was animation yeah. thing. Like the, what they did with animation was different than any cartoons before that. And it was a risk and it was a big deal. And now it's like every cartoon is is, is Pixar esque, you know, in terms of the in terms of the look. And the same thing with the same thing with some of the Independence Day stuff, you know, the big scope special effects stuff like that. I just I feel like there's there's no way to kind of wow people anymore either because everything is so big. Like I mean, even regular movies are basically Pixar movies. Star Wars are Pixar movies now because everything <laughs> has true. to go everything has to go to that level. Hey, hey, hey! I don't mean, yeah. do not insult the writers at Pixar like that. Star Wars That's movies true. are crap yeah. compared to Pixar when it comes to storytelling. Dude, I'm just saying dudes that have grown up like with video games that are all like you get all jacked up about. No, it's so realistic. And like mm-hmm. that, like that kind of stuff matters to dudes like that. So, I mean, at some point, everything looks so realistic. How can it look more realistic than so realistic? Right. Like we've hit, like we've <laughs> yeah. arrived. We're, we're it is there. more real than what I'm seeing in front of my very face. Right? It's more real than the hand in front of my face, which if I, you know, if I get a knife, oh, look, blood. No, it's more real than that. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, that's. I mean, I think. I wonder if that's the next thing. I mean, you hear about. I. You know, people wear those ridiculous headsets, and they're like involved in the movie and in the video game, and sure. for, all the VR stuff. And uh, and I just. I. If that's what it's going to next, I feel like we we are moving into a sci-fi. Like it's we we are becoming a movie about how entertainment is taking totally. over us. It's it's kind of ridiculous. Somebody's going to make that movie actually. I think they happen. already did. Like 17 okay. times in the 80s to warn us about what was coming. Oh, okay. And then Spielberg just did it with Ready Player 1 this year, right? Yes. Okay. Which is making Tron sure I'm all squared 80s, away. Right? Yeah, it was Tron. That's when things were actually realistic, Big T. Yeah. We have yeah, movies exactly. like Tron, you know. Yeah. A real Dude, I, don't need, I don't need another reality, man. Life is life is enough for me. You know, I don't, I don't want a virtual world to fail at, too. <laughs> this one is enough, you know. And definitely not a dystopian reality because we've got yeah. people like Jennifer Wright making this one plenty dystopian already. Dude, right. It's enough for me to disappoint everyone in my real life. I don't, I don't need an alternate life for, I for think more Jenny, I think Jenny might be making a dystopian movie called The Judge. Ooh. I just bought the rights to that. Did you cool? Wait, yeah. wasn't that a, wasn't that a movie with uh, with Robert Duvall and Robert Downey Jr. a few years ago? The Judge. The Judge. Yeah, it was. It was a really good movie too. It was kind of that was one. It was one of those ones that's like it's way better than all the blockbusters, but doesn't get the love because it's about people doing yeah. human interaction things. Dude, I, so this is where I'm at, man. I think what I think is going to be one of the trends. It's not going to be a blockbuster trend, but it's going to be guys. It's kind of like what always happens in music when guys are tired of everything being so slick. And they just mm-hmm. pair it back and they actually write a good story and there's no special effects and you're absolutely captivated. And you just go, oh, like, dude, like 
that just has my imagination now just like going wild, right? Because like all the blockbusters don't leave a lot to imagination. I think some dude is going to come along and that's who's going to like rewrite some of what we think of being blockbustery. And, he'll, you know, maybe even like a, a quiet place. You know, there was something there was something even about that with the scale of it where they pulled it back quite a bit because they didn't have the budget. And um, it ended up being a blockbuster because it, people's imagination got yeah. to play. What I'm it. afraid uh-huh. of is what I'm afraid of is all of the people who do that well then getting lured by the they will that, know. you know four hundred million dollar budgets from from big yeah. studios because that's kind of inevitably what happens is unless they're just a, a, an insane artist you know who just sort of does yeah. things on their own. It's the Blair Witch phenomenon, like what happened back when when they released mm-hmm. that movie for like that cost them like twenty five dollars, and it ended up doing like four hundred million at the yeah. box office, you know. So, but yeah, I don't know. It's all it, it's it always goes in cycles, you know. Yeah, it always goes in cycles. It's just like just like in ten years, man, we're gonna have all these massive Arminian, you know, together for together T4A. for yeah T four T four A right. We're gonna be doing we're gonna be doing together for uh, Jacobus Arminius, you know. Yeah. I mean, we're gonna, it's going to be great. Yeah, it is going to be great. I can't wait for that. That's going to be sweet, you guys. I'm, I miss, I miss Arminius. Sweet. What a good guy. <laughs> it, all, it all goes in cycles, boys. That's a takeaway from this. Cycles. You know, that's, that's a takeaway from, from three middle-aged white men, you know, sharing our <laughs> wisdom with the world. So you're welcome, world. Sure. There's more where that you, came from. You needed more words from middle-aged Absolutely. white men. They don't say yeah. or, yeah, they don't bloviate enough. No, you're welcome, we Jenny. We don't well, bloviate no. enough. <laughs> we've we've fixed everything. Don't worry. Yeah, exactly. You can. Oh you look, can I'm rest getting a text now. from I'm getting a text from Jenny Dub. She's like convinced. She feels yeah. like well, how we explained what we just explained. Like she literally said, "Hey, she's like, you know what? I'm, said, I'm, I'm cool on board now. Yeah, I'm cool. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm cool, cool with, with everything you said. Everything's Absolutely. everything's different for me now. I will never use another female judge as an emoji. <laughs> well, boys, we've solved some problems. So. Congratulations to you both. I appreciate uh, we, we have uh, we have done what we always do on this program, which is to wander to and fro and mansplain our way through these topics. And until next time, Rachel the Held Evans. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Hello, my name is Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we're the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, check us out, Life After Addiction Podcast, and you can subscribe at lifeaudio.com.